The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. I've sworn by Pillar Performance's triple magnesium for well over a year now. Recently, I was looking at some data of the actual sleep performance of pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Fred Funk while using triple magnesium, so I decided to get some data for myself. I did two weeks of not using Pillar Performance's triple magnesium and then two weeks of using it uh, 30 minutes before bed every night. And I really did see a noticeable difference in my HRV and restorative sleep numbers, um, especially when I was taking it 30 minutes before. I did actually also try taking it like two, three hours before just to see. And I, I noticed the numbers weren't quite as good. So um, they were still better than when I didn't use it though, which was interesting. Um, it was great to have what I'd been feeling confirmed by real numbers as it confirmed for me, I wasn't just like placeboing myself into thinking I was waking up fresher and, and with more energy because I was taking it. Um, yeah, it actually seemed to, to work and I now have data that supports that. So if you want to try it for yourself, um, use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off at Pillar's website everywhere in the world, except America, where you can get it exclusively from the feed.com and HTT20, the discount code for 20% off works there too. Today, we're joined by Martin Van Riel and Aaron Royal. We all obviously know Aaron from his time on the road to the PTO European Open Series he did here earlier in the year. Aaron, it's good to have you back on as always, mate. Thanks, Jack. Uh, it's good to be back. And you know me, my bromance with Martin is the only thing that will get me back on the podcast these days. So <laughs> I'm uh, excited to be on and uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, a bit too excited, judging by the self you sent <laughs> earlier. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Like you've said, the main character on today's episode is the man everyone talks about as being the next big thing in long course triathlon. He's undefeated in his four Ironman 70.3 races. He came fourth at the uh, Tokyo Olympics. He's one of the big favorites already for next year's 70.3 World Championships. It's Martin Van Riel. Martin, welcome to the Triathlon Hour. Hey, Jack. I'm honored to be uh, to be on here for the first time. And uh, yeah, I kind of get, get a bit more known in the, the long distance scene. It is crazy, Martin, that a guy ranked almost 500 in the world on the PTO rankings is talked about with so much hype like you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I still have to uh, to work my way up there a little bit because I, I don't have three results now. Um, so, yeah, I have to I have to see how all these, uh, this works. It's a whole new world opening up for me. But uh, slowly we're going to climb up the rankings. But I hope to be, yeah, to crack that top 500 soon. <laughs> Aaron already sort of started talking about his uh, what some people, not me, but what others have called creepy um, love affair with you. But I, I wanted to start with a, a listener question that I got sent in when I put on Instagram that I was going to do the podcast here um, from a good friend and, and listener of the show, Frederick Funk. He asks, please ask Martin if he thinks it's weird and creepy how big a man crush Aaron has on him. Uh, like, yes, yeah, sometimes it does get a little bit weird. Um... Like Aaron stays one month a year. I, I can borrow him from uh, from his wife and he stays here in my apartment. And uh, yeah, sometimes I wake up and he's he's like looking at me. Those kind of things are a bit weird, but uh, yeah. That's because he's about 45 minutes late to every single training session in the morning. So I'm, I'm literally at the end of his bed waking him up going, Martin, 
We're late. Did you have clothes on, Martin? Or <laughs> uh, yeah, usually yes. Give it PG eighteen. But uh, just quickly on the uh, back on the rankings. So so Martin, you, you, what are you going? No, actually, I don't think you're you're going to be higher than five hundred because your Bahrain score hasn't been. Sorry, your Dubai. No, yeah, it was Bahrain, wasn't it? Yeah, that hasn't been um, added yet, has it? So you're going to jump. It'll really, come through really next high. week. Yeah. Yeah, but but do you remember? Well, you do remember because we talk about it all the time. But a little story, actually, it was about. Well, it was last year in your apartment. And me and Martin had one of our arguments because um, he told me there was no way in the world that I could get top 40 in the world. That was my goal during last year. And so um, I just want to thank Martin for all your motiva- uh, the motivation that you gave me through last year and, and also this year. Um, you really, really helped me get, get inside that top 40. That's, that's what I did before. Huh? Like you, you have to challenge someone. Can you guys take us inside the argument? Why did you think Aaron couldn't get top 40, Martin? Well, that, that was actually a little bit different than I did change that to top 20. But um, I it was the beginning of the year. And um, Aaron, you were still uh, like focusing a little bit on lo- on short course as well. So I thought he was kind of going to do like uh, three, four races maybe. And with the current PTO ranking, that kind of means you can only have like one race that has like a bad string of field or like one off day um, to score those points. So I think that's the, yeah, that's the difficulty of trying to combine um, long distance with short distance that if you can only do three or four races to get a high score, you need to have all those races count and count very high, which is sometimes not something you have in hand. Um, Yeah. If you have one bad race, if, if, you sign up for a race that has a bad strength of field. Um, so, yeah, but maybe I also underestimated Aaron a little <laughs> bit and he did surprise me uh, in a positive way. So uh, I, they're all, they're all valid points, Martin, but I did, I really did take it. I took it really personal, mate. Uh, and I think this is yeah a good chance that we've been able to air or I was being able to air my grievances with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that you took that personal. You almost <laughs> you almost threw me out of my own apartment. <laughs> it's true. I still, yeah, I still remember the meal we'll have. It, it quickly went very sour. <laughs> Every good uh, relationship has uh, conflict and, and needs conflict to survive. So we survived. So, um, Martin, I think for a lot of people, they probably don't know a lot about you. They just know your name and that you're this guy who is really good and everyone talks about as, you know, when you were going to do a PTO race earlier in the uh, earlier this year, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Martin, including Aaron, was like, Martin will win this race. And you went from never having done a PTO race to the favorite to win a race that people like Christian Blumenfeld were going to be at. For, for people who don't know about you, what are your strengths as a, as a long-course triathlete? How are you swimming? How are you riding? How are you running? And And sort of... Where do you think you fit into the the world of long course triathlon in terms of how good you are at those three compared to some other people? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's something hard to say about yourself, but um, I think that my strength in triathlon in general is that I'm very consistent across the three disciplines. And I've been, yeah, pretty much only focused on short course before. So my run is maybe a little bit too average to really 
yeah take take medals there so that's been very difficult in the past years to yeah to to run sub 29 pretty much what what uh, Alex E and Hayden Wilder are running now to take the medals um but I'm very consistent I'm a front pack swimmer in ITU I'm one of the strongest bikers there and I think it seems to translate quite well to middle distance so um I think my strength would be that it would be very hard to get rid of me before the run and then um I'm still like a very good runner I might not be a sub 29 runner on a 10k but um but I'm quite close to that so yeah I think that I I kind of have no uh weak point which in long course that's a lot more important uh, than maybe having one really strong point and so with your cycling, you've done four 70.3s and they've all been really fast bike courses, which we know often do suit short course athletes as opposed to the sort of more uh, hilly or technical um, or even just like, you know, shitter road services, more rolly 70.3 or PTO bike courses. How do you think your time trialing will stack up on a bit of a harder course with some harder competition? I think that it will actually be maybe my advantage because i think that i'm still also quite light uh compared to some of the other athletes um in long distance and yeah i think that's that's in training i seem to be a very good climber so uh so that's uh yeah it's definitely something i look forward to to do some harder courses as well because uh i saw last weekend as well that uh doing very flat courses does have very big disadvantages as well because it seems to be more difficult to get rid of the competition on a really flat course than on a on a bit of a hilly one so actually yeah i look forward to uh to try a more exciting bike course as well and aaron in our group chat you are famous for how much you love martin van real and every time that martin is going to race a race like at the pto race uh, earlier earlier this year you were just trying to convince us all that he was going to win it what do you see in Martin that makes you think he's going to, you know, step up to long course triathlon and do so well? Yeah, uh, well, firstly, I think um, the bromance is mutual, right, Martin? Just can we put that out there? I kind of feel like it's yeah. just creepy one-sided. <laughs> no, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, mutual. Like I always yeah. look forward to when, uh, when Aaron joins me here in Girona. So I always, uh, I'm always happy when non-Stanford, non his wife, lets me borrow him. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, obviously he is a good friend of mine, um, but I really just do think that he has, and he, he kind of touched on himself, um, the, the strengths to, to really do something quite, quite special or quite good in, in the middle distance scene. Um, you know, you'll, you'll never get rid of him in the swim. I think a lot of people will be working to stay with him. Obviously not the on the bike that is, um, you know, maybe not the, the uber bikers they they can still you know probably certainly ride up to martin but i think he he has the skills and and the power to sort of stay with with anyone that may catch him from behind you know talking those uber type of bikers and, and like he touched on um that run is as good as anyone you know i think what was it fourth in in tokyo olympics that came down to a running race um you know, he said he maybe that's his his weaker discipline, but you know, when you're still coming forth from a a running race at the Olympic Games, you you're a class runner as well. So, yeah, I think like you said, he touches and ticks all of the boxes to to really have that um, those I guess 
key aspects you need to be successful in that middle distance. And, and he's shown in that, like you said earlier on, Jack, you know, he's had four races, four wins. And um, I think that Dubai race, which was last year, I think at the start of last year, really, really showed um, his potential. In your opinion, Aaron, PTO distance 70.3 or Ironman, where will Martin ultimately be the best long course uh, triathlete? Um, good question. I, I think probably, hmm, put me on the spot a little bit here. I want to say, I, I think he's going to kind of like the training he's been doing now, it will translate quite well into that middle distance. So the PTO um, 70.3 distance. And, and so he'll probably see some immediate success. Uh, but I, I really do think like, you know, we might touch on it a little bit, but Martin loves like the, the really long, long training days. Um, and he seems to do really, really well off it. So I, I can see that he would probably have quite good success. And he, you know, he's really, really motivated. And I know we, we kind of talk about it quite often that I don't have the same motivation that he does for a full Ironman in Kona. Um, I think, I think he, you, if, I mean, I'll ask him, Martin, like, is Kona, what's more special to you? And as in a Kona on Olympic Games, like, is it, are they even? Because the way we talk in the past, I feel like for you, they're, they're one, you know, both similar. Yeah, personally, I would say for me, they're quite even. Like, it really depends on the day when you ask me which one I would say. And maybe today, which is weird, it's six months before the Olympic Games, I would say uh, Kona again. But yeah, like for me, both are kind of equal and it's very hard to to choose uh, between the two for me. Mm. And so about, yeah, the reason I asked him is because I, yeah, he's really, really motivated by the Kona. And so I think um, we might see later on in Martin's career, he, he kind of translates the, the success that I think he will have in the middle distance into the long course as well, full distance. Martin, did you take much from what you saw the Norwegians do recently with Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden and how they've come in and both won a 70.3 world title, both won an Ironman world title, both won a PTO title and like take motivation from that or think, hey, I think I could do that as well? Yeah, definitely. Because I, I feel like um, just race-wise in short course, then we are kind of similar athletes, um, maybe racing almost a bit too aggressive in the short course, which like would uh yeah would be a disadvantage for for myself and they're definitely two guys that I can kind of see myself in see my strengths and and also my weaknesses in um and their success on the long distance and their motivation for it I think it's uh it's something that I share like I I see them a lot on uh, on training camps actually and uh, they're both nice guys so uh yeah definitely are uh, have been a bit of an example for me and I want to come back and I want to touch on the 70.3 world champs later in the year where I think you, you're probably going to race, Martin. And, and I want to talk about 2025, you know, the first full year after the, after the Olympics. But I just want to stay in the present here. And, and it's great that we've got Aaron Royal on for this because, Aaron, you're, you know, you're the man in charge of the PTO athlete board, as everyone behind the scenes knows. You're the, you're the president of the athlete board, <laughs> uh, unofficial. Um, <laughs> fill me in. Uh, how many PTO races are there going to be? Are you going to be racing them? Um, give us all the update. <laughs> Jack, you know I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone do um, it? Uh, I guess we'll find out in time. It, it, what I will say, like, you know, obviously Sam and, and Chris and 
everyone at the PTO have obviously been working really, really hard to try and get this series and, and races and, and, and um, yeah, PTO races that are hopefully going to happen next year. Um, and, and, you know, I think Sam's openly said that they aim to have eight to 10 races. Um, so it will be a truly global world series event. And by the looks of things, it's going to be really, really excited and athletes are going to be rewarded very, very well. So, and, you know, everyone says that we're in a really, really exciting time for um, all triathletes, not just middle distance. Like I think with short course as well, they have the options now to kind of chase a bit of both or you throw in the super league side of things where athletes are, you know, the top level athletes are also making really, really good money. So um, I kind of diverted your question a little bit, but um, I think we're just in a really exciting time now and um, I can't wait. I think for sure, given the opportunity, I'll be there. Um, and based, based on my ranking, I think, think I should be there, but um, yeah, I think we're, we're, we're in a good spot right now for, for the sport. They've got him trained well, don't they, Martin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very politician answer. Uh, next next question, Aaron. Um, if you do get the chance to race at all eight to ten PTO races, if, if that's however many uh, happen, will you just do the, the PTO races and no other races for the year? Um, it's hard to say, like until we have a, a full calendar from the PTO, it's really hard to plan um, the season. But I would say there'll be other races thrown in there. You know, I, I think there's room probably cap- – you have you – know, you, you could probably do about 10. So and, – and by all accounts, you, you might not have to do every single PTO race that, that's on the calendar. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question – I don't really know yet without having the calendar in front of me, but I think um, there's certainly going to be room to have some other races as well. And this is where I want to sort of link you you guys in together. Uh, are, are you a chance to race the 70.3 world champs at the end of the year? Do you think Aaron? Yeah. I mean, I have to qualify still because I haven't done a, done a 70.3 race this year to qualify. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to. It's obviously in New Zealand. So down my way, my neck of the woods, just across the pond. Um, so I'd love to be there. If you've never used form goggles before, you're missing out. As soon as you put them on and wear them for your first swim session, you get out of the pool and you realise, I wish I'd been wearing these for the last few years. They give you live pace as you swim so you don't have to look at the clock or try and guess what pace you're swimming as you're doing your intervals. And you don't have to try and click start and stop on your watch every interval, which is something I really like. And something else I really like is that you can put workouts into the goggles. So before you go swimming, you just chuck the workout into them. And then when you jump in the pool, literally all you have to do is follow what your goggles say. They really make boring solo swims fun and motivating. So if you're someone like me who gets a little bit bored going to the pool by yourself, they're literally perfect for you. Head to Form's website and use the discount code HTT15 at checkout when you buy some for 15% off plus a year's free um, premium membership and realize why every professional athlete you see seems to be wearing them. They really do make swim training more motivating, funner and, and way more specific and easier if you are doing sessions and workouts. You'll love them, I guarantee it. And Martin, you've obviously got the Olympics um, during the middle of the year. Once that's done, or even before that, do you plan on doing any PTO races? And uh, are you definitely going to try and start at the Ironman 70.3 World Champs in December? 
Yeah, the Ironman, like the champs in, in Taupo, 70.3 champs, they are definitely my second uh, goal of the year. Um, I've actually only just finished the season, so I've not looked too much at the calendar for next year. And also, yeah, PTO didn't release uh, that much information yet, but I think it will be hard to fit a, a half-distance race in before the Olympics still. Um, because yeah, I've, I really have to focus to to try and get as close as possible to that uh, sub twenty nine run. But then after Olympics, I will um, yeah, I will go all in for the the half distance. And but I just want to say to Aaron as well that uh, if he's not racing in Taupo, I expect him to be my uh, my bag boy <laughs> because uh, I did that for him uh, last year at the World Champs in Saint George. So uh, I'm expecting that if you don't race. Yeah, well, it's true, right? So so to give a bit of context, I was obviously St. George 70.3 Worlds last year. Um, Martin was training in Flagstaff, Arizona. So what was it, yep. about a four-hour drive, five-hour drive, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and were you injured? I can't remember. Did you injure yourself? Yeah, I had like a really long injury and it kind of – I thought I was good for that camp and start running again, but then it went back downhill mm -hmm. uh, and – I couldn't run anymore. Yeah. So anyway, he, um, so originally the original plan was, I can't remember, actually, I can't remember what the original plan was now, but I had a big house in St. George, uh, basically all to myself. It's quite lonely out, out there by myself. And I was like, kind of pleading, not pleading, but I was like, Hey Martin, when are you going to get here? When are you going to get here? And in the end, like about two days before the race, he's like, right, I'm in the car, I'm coming. And, um, I think I had the, the most overqualified bad carrier there ever has been. <laughs> um but uh it was good though it was good having martin there to support i think you done no actually you didn't do a great job you were supposed to give me a time split somewhere and <laughs> you didn't quite get there in time did you well but i i couldn't run and i just remember that my my electric scooter couldn't make it up one of the hills of St. <laughs> in time. so i'm putting my um well it wasn't a wasn't a poor performance but i'm uh, i was hoping for a little bit better down to to martin oh and that's right and also you weren't oh no yeah you weren't there to take my jumper at the start of the swim so i had to throw it in there i had to throw it in the um just off to the side somewhere that's true <laughs> martin was too busy taking selfies with everyone and <laughs> telling, trying to tell everyone oh did you realize that i was the dubai the world record holder for the 70.3 <laughs> That's that's actually not true because I actually that was where like the 70.3 world really opened up to me. I think I got recognized once or twice in that weekend. And do you remember when we were standing with Christian and uh, yes. and Gustav and like yes. we couldn't talk to them because like there was literally every five seconds someone asking them for a for a selfie yeah. or a photo and like we were just actually. standing there and then like someone even came and asked for a, a photo of like uh, a Blake. Who's like yeah on your like life. an influencer with three thousand uh, like influencer yeah. content creator with three thousand uh, followers? Yeah. <laughs> like I was standing there and I realized <laughs> I have to go into this. Is, long <laughs> yeah, so you know, like when you, you obviously in in a lot of Ironmans or big Ironman races, um, you have to put your your stuff in transition the night before, and so we were doing that and obviously Christian and, and Gustav was there as well. And there was literally like a, we were trying to chat to him because we hadn't seen him, both hadn't seen him for a while. 
and there was like a flock around them and the people were coming up to Martin, like this Paul Martin was just on the world championship podium the year before in short course, was fourth at the Olympics, broke the world record for the 70.3 distance. And he's getting asked to take, hold the camera to take photos <laughs> of them with Christian. I was like, Martin was like, this is where I need to be. This is where, this is my life now. Short course means nothing. I was talking to Hayden Wild about this the other day, Martin, and he agrees. He's like, you know, people like, he said like people like you and himself, they just have to get over to long course because no one knows anything about short course triathlon anymore. Yeah, that's true, actually. Like it's, it's, I think it's kind of because we are a participant sport and like if you do one of those uh, 70.3 or Ironman events, like some of them have even like three, 4,000 participants. They all bring their family, like, for them, you are maybe like an idol and inspiration and everything. But in the short course, yeah, like there is not many races where there is uh, a lot of spectators on the side. So, yeah, that's definitely cool to uh, to yeah feel like that a little bit and, and feel like you're you're inspiring people and feel like you're doing something good for the, the community. It'll be really interesting to like skip ahead 12 months from now, because I think you're going to be like you're in my eyes you're probably that next guy you know you and Hayden I think are probably the next two who are going to come through like Christian and Gustav and you might regret this you might you know you might look back on the days where no one re- recognized you at a race uh quite fondly I reckon <laughs> yeah maybe who knows huh? I want to I want to come back to 70.3 world champs and talk detailed about that now that we know that you both are probably going to do that and Martin it's your sort of big goal race outside of the Olympics so that's exciting to hear but just one more back in time to the PTO US Open I mentioned that you were supposed to race a PTO race earlier in the year um that was the the US Open which Aaron was at and I remember talking to Aaron before that race um in that message group where he for probably the 15th time had tried to convince us that you were the best triathlete in the world. And he was telling us that you were going to win and he didn't think Jan or Christian could compete with you. And we were like, fuck, he, he must be good, this guy. Um, and then we were asking him if, if he was going to try and work with you. And he said, yep, that you guys had chatted and and you were probably going to try and get away a little bit on the swim from guys like Christian and, um, and Jason West and, and that kind of person. So can you both talk to me about um, the conversations you had when you both did think you were racing a, a PTO race together. And then Martin, can you tell me about what happened as to why you were a late withdrawal from that race? Yeah. So I think that, that both me and Aaron, basically we, uh, yeah, I think we have a very similar skill set actually. Um, and I think we both agreed that trying to break away on the swim or trying to make the swim very hard. That's like where we can really hurt some of the main competitors. And um, yeah, I I mean, Aaron in secrets uh, tells me he's Watts always. So he's actually really stepped it up this year, uh, his bike performance. And um, yeah, like if, if we could work together in the front, I think that it, it won't be that easy for the, for the Uber bikers to come, uh, come past very quickly or come back very quickly like we could take a lot of uh, sap out of their legs and that was kind of just the the thing we both agreed on I think because we have these similar strengths um, we're we're always going to be natural allies uh, going forward in the future if we are on the same start line Mm. yeah I mean yeah I mean we kind of raced each other quite a lot haven't we since probably 2014 really like so we know each other's strengths quite well and um it's it's similar it, you know it's similar to like 
someone like a Ben Canute, right? So we we all have a similar sort of skill set, I guess, like being quite strong swimmers, hopefully good, good, fairly decent riders. So um, going into that race, you always try and link up a little bit with the people around you that you know is going to be close to you. And um, yeah, like especially, especially in the swim, if we can push and because I feel like for someone like myself and Martin, like trying to really push the swim and make it fast doesn't take that much energy out of you. I don't, I don't think like you have to put it in a little bit, but I don't think you really have to go deep to really make the swim fast. Um, and that's where you can really obviously work together. Um, obviously on the bike, you, you have to, non, it's non-drafting. So you, you can't work together as much there. Um, and yeah, so it's not, it's nothing new. Like we've, yeah, we've raced each other for a long time. And, and so we kind of, without even speaking, we, we kind of know how each other's going to race. And then what happened to, to make you not race, Martin? Yeah, <laughs> actually the last two years have been all un, pretty much unfortunate events. It hasn't been the best period. And um, I thought I finally was starting to get to my old level. And then um I was just before traveling. Well, first I was going to go one week to Girona still. I was in Belgium and then I was going to go to the US Open. And I made like, yeah, I had a really silly crash. Um, I still don't really know if it was because of my chain um, or because I lit like a little curb. I hit a little curb to go on to the cycling path. Like I crossed the road, tried to go onto the cycling path. It was literally like a, three centimeter curb and um my chain fell off and i kind of tried to pedal but because my chain fell off i didn't have resistance and so i just completely lost control of my bike and uh yeah i looked forward and i saw uh like a lantern a light pole and yeah the only thing i did was turn my back and i i crashed right into it with my back um and I broke my scapula and bruised five ribs. So, yeah, that was very, very painful. I was laying on the ground for five five to ten minutes that I, I couldn't move. I was lucky that, uh, that some people actually came and helped me and, like, uh, called my parents for me to, to pick me up. Um, but, yeah, that was very unfortunate. But in the end, I think that actually that crash could have been a lot worse. So, um, yeah, still was very disappointing not to make those races. Yeah, good to hear that you're okay from it because uh, I think sometimes we forget that those crashes can be a lot worse like you sort of just uh, touched on then. But it was disappointing because it, considering like you talked about, not many people know who you are or what you look like in the long course world. There was a lot of hype about you before that race and Jan Fredino and Christian Blumenfeld were racing. I want to say that there was probably as much if not slightly more hype about you than there was even those two did you feel that um yeah a little bit like i think that um that some people the one the ones that know me are looking very much forward to me stepping it up and and doing like my first big 70.3 or uh pto distance which i still haven't been able to do um so yeah i think that uh that that's the people that do know me uh, think that I, I could do very well. And like, yeah, it was just now the PTO races are, are so big. And like, it was also the last chance to race uh, race Jan, which I haven't done in my career. I don't think I ever raced him in short course. Um, I, I was just coming up when he, he left the short course. So 
that was something that I also was excited about, but uh, yeah, I didn't get that chance in the end. How old are you now, Martin? Uh, at 31 today, actually. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like I've always been saying like, oh, I have a lot of time to go and do long distance, but now that, um, that 2024 is almost there, then, then the next Olympics is almost there. I'm actually starting to kind of, yeah, get a bit of, of stress because, I'm not that young anymore and it's it's starting to become the time to prove and um as Aaron said like the long distance is something that really 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 motivates me and I I think that I can show uh a lot of good things there um but yeah you you can't keep waiting and you you shouldn't wait too long because I think that's been the mistake of many uh short course athletes before me that they waited too long so I hope it's not like that in my case. Happy birthday, by the way, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday, happy birthday, Martin. Hey, but Jack, so, <laughs> you, you know, I know you said that just when you, you touch on that question with Martin, that kind of maybe in the middle distance long course scene, not many people maybe don't know Martin's name as much, but, you know, which may be the public, but I guarantee you that when Martin was on the start list for the PTO US Open or when he's on any start list for middle distance, every athlete would be like, he's one of the guys to watch. He's one of the guys that's, you know, going to be the favorite. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and it, within time, like you'll probably for sure people will start to know him outside of the athlete group. But um, I guarantee you that every athlete would have been watching, watching him and, and knowing that he was going to be one of the ones, one of the favorites of the race. Well, if you remember before the race, Aaron, Christian Blumenfeld, when he was asked about like, hey, like, are you worried about Jan Fredino? He sort of laughed at it a little bit and said like, no. And he, he said that Martin was who he was worried about. I think he actually might have even said that on, yeah, he did. He said it on the podcast he did with me in the lead up. He said that he wasn't worried about Jan or Jason or, you know, anyone. He was just worried about Martin Van Riel. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. You know, we touched on it before with Martin's strength, right? You, you, it's a good chance he's going to be in front of him out of the swim and and for sure Christian's going to have to ride really, really hard to get back up to the front You know, in that scenario when, when Christian was looking at Martin as the biggest competitor. And then, yeah, I think for sure Martin can can challenge him come the run. So, yeah, it's no surprise that he said that. I didn't, I didn't realise he said that, but it's not a surprise. <sighs> it just always hurts me when I find out you don't listen to every episode. <laughs> I still, I still don't follow you on Instagram yet, Jack. I know. What's that about? You had, you've had like, you've been on how many? Like twenty, at least twenty episodes of the show. You've had like, you've posted about the show. You've had the show in your like Instagram bio for like over twelve months, and you still yeah. don't follow it. Yeah. So because I think you realized before I even realized that I didn't follow it, and you said something to me, and so then from now on, it's been like. You're gonna to have to do something quite special to get me to get that hit that follow button, Jack. I think I even said to you in a message, if you I can't remember what it was, we were in that group chat and I said something like, If you post that now on your story, I'll follow you. And you didn't. So you missed the boat. <laughs> oh, this is why I like Fred more than you. <laughs> <laughs> you you're, if we talk about bromances, that's a bromance you have for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was, but then a little bit lately, he's been sending me a few too many selfies. Like, mm. you know, and it just turns you off him a little bit. Did you get the other one the other day where he was completely nude? Uh, a few of them. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Did, did yeah, you get probably, one? Did yeah. you send them to you yeah, as well? Yeah, no. 
Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's of course he, he sends them to me first, and then I think you're a bit down the list. What? Yeah, yeah see, he gets my is... he gets my approval first. This is what I was gonna. This is what I was hinting at. Like you want him to pay a little bit harder to get, and then you hear stuff like this, and it's like, okay, well, he, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. a former he... stripper, mate. You you can never, you know, he. You did, he's not just—he's not just going with one. He's playing the field. I know, and I—I I understand it's all just ultimately marketing for like, hey, you like what you're seeing here? Come and pay five dollars a month for it on my OnlyFans. Like, I understand that's what he's doing, and that's why he, he gives you a little bit, and he sort of lures you in, and you go, "Geez, that does look good," and then it does make you want more. I, I fully—I've been there. I understand it, but it still frustrates me because you—you also do sometimes think that you're special with him, and then yeah. when you realize you're not, it like it does hurt. It still it hurts. does. It does hurt. I, I realized long ago, though. So, I guess you're still in that period where you felt like it was, you know, a bit more of a one-on-one connection. Yeah, more special than it really was. But <laughs> at least he still follows me on Instagram. That's all you can say about you. Well, um, he knows that you're going to keep that scr- subscription going, <laughs> keeping you happy. It's under a fake name. He doesn't know I'm subscribed. Follow <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Magic Fred. On OnlyFans. Um, Martin, I don't remember what we're talking about, so I'm just going to um, skip it forward to 70.3 World Championships because I'm going to pretend that you don't have the Olympics in the middle of the year because don't really – I'm not a short course guy. I'm sort of a bit – short course for me was very 2012. I'm now full long course <laughs> only. Um, who do you see as your main competition at the 70.3 World Championships? Do you see it as being someone like Gustav Eden or Christian Blumenfeld if they do it? Or do you see it as someone who's established like Fred Funk or Rico Bogan or Aaron Royal? Or do you see it as someone like yourself in Hayden Wild who's probably going to be targeting it after the Olympics? Uh, I mean, yeah, you just named a, a lot of uh, very strong guys, but the the one that maybe I would be the the more scared of now it is Hayden um I've been racing him a lot on short course as well and like that Melbourne uh performance that was pretty impressive um and especially his run uh like that's very very it's gonna be very very hard to match and um he looks aero he looks really strong on the bike so it's gonna be very hard to uh stay away from him so yeah maybe if i can make an alliance again with uh with aaron we can uh, hurt him in in his weak spots in the swim and uh yeah try to get to work a little bit together on the bike uh with some guys but i think that he's he's if he's up up front he's gonna be very hard to uh to beat and obviously a lot of the other guys are um are also uh very big threats but i think that all the others, I could take them on the run if I have a good day. Um, whereas Hayden, like if he has uh, a run like we know he can do, um, I think he has the new almost a New Zealand record on the one hour run or something like that. So, like he's for sure going to lift the half marathon times to maybe even another level. Um, so, yeah, I see him as a very big threat for them. Everyone's always confused about what nutritional products they should be using while they train and race and never really knows if what they're using is the best option for them. I can tell you from my experience of trying about 20 to 30 different brands over probably the last eight to 10 years that Precision Fuel and Hydration is by far my favorite. I started with Precision by trying their PF30 gel, which I really liked. And then I tried their drink mix, which I probably liked even a little bit more before finding the product from them that 
really took them from being, I think, my equal favorite brand at the time to, without question, my favorite brand, the PF90 gel. It's seriously amazing. And then more recently, I've been experimenting with their brand new Flow Gel. And honestly, I think it's now taken over as my favorite nutritional product I've ever used in my life. I don't ever do long rides or runs or hard sessions without it now. And if you're racing triathlon, particularly long course triathlon, or you're going to do a marathon, it's just the perfect way to get fuel in. Try it for yourself. Head to Precision Fuel and Hydration's website and use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your first order. So if you came off the bike, because that 70.3 World Champs course, it's, it's like it's as close to a swim run race as we'll get um, in, in 70.3 distance racing, I think. Like it really, there's not a whole lot of chance for, for groups to get away on the bike. Um, if you came into T2 and you're there with Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld, Hayden Wild, you're most scared of Hayden and you're confident that you could outrun Christian and Gustav or you're, you're still sort of like a little bit scared of them, but just not as scared as you are of Hayden. Yeah, I think more the, the second. Like I'm, I would still be scared of them, and like I mean, they're they are very good runners, but um, I think that that yeah, I could I could take them. Whereas uh, I think that yeah, Hayden, if he can translate his his run right now on the short course to middle distance, then yeah, he's very very strong. I can <laughs> I can tell you that I can warn uh, some of the the other long distance guys like uh Hayden and Alex have been ripping it up in the short course and really bringing the run to another level so I expect that they will do that as well in the middle distance so I hope I can I can go with that um but that's going to be very hard and I think all the others I can yeah I can be definitely competitive with them on a on a good day but I'm still yeah scared and not scared but I'm still uh respectful of of their capabilities as well so i won't say that like I, i'm gonna destroy uh christian or or gustav for sure not how, how do you see that aaron how do you see it from your perspective in the race mm. um i would say i'm a little bit more scared than martin for sure like obviously i would want um yeah i i wouldn't feel comfortable getting off the bike with christian gustav hayden or martin for that fact but obviously with Martin's strength, that's kind of very hard for that not to happen. Um, but, I, you know, I, d I haven't done Talpo, uh, but I think there's a good chance that a you kind of said a swim run race. I feel like there's a good chance there's going to be some good swimmers up the front. And um, hopefully, like Martin said, a group can kind of work together um, in a way to, to you know, because it's, it's kind of hard. Like, I feel like, even though it's non-drafting, a good group working well at the front, um, obviously at a legal distance, still really helps. Um, and you can kind of make it really hard for those guys to get back into the race. Someone that we haven't spoke about, and I think, oh, he hasn't qualified yet, has he, Martin? Yalla. Yalla. He, has he called? Nope. No, he didn't, did he? No, he went to... Um... He's he's going to do one still. He's actually going to start his season in, in Oceanside normally. Um, mm -hmm. I don't actually know if I can say that, but yeah. <laughs> he, he won't mind. He won't mind. But uh, yeah, he's going to start his season in Oceanside. So he's still uh, still really trying mm. to Because obviously he, he went to the Asia Pacific Champs in um, in Lankawi, Jack. I don't, I'm not sure whether you, you probably do know. But yeah, he went there to race that and... The day before the race, he got stung by a jellyfish, or two days, or the day before, and he was he was really really sick from it. Like um, 
had big welts and fever and I think he was even nauseous. We we saw him, Will in Girona, weren't we, Martin, when he got home from that. So he, he was there to race and obviously couldn't race. And even like for two or three days, once he got back to Girona, he just was like flat out. Um, so anyway, he's uh, he's someone that obviously went to Lenkawi to try and qualify to get that done for, for Taupo to really target that after the Olympics that obviously now needs to qualify. But he's someone that I would throw in there that's kind of probably, I'd say, similar to a Hayden you know obviously maybe Hayden's run is well certainly shown in, in short course for the last couple of years that that Hayden's run is an, is another level but I think when Yala did his his half Ironman a couple of years ago he ran a 68 low didn't he or a 67 high yeah he ran 108 in Indian Wales yeah where he came third yeah but yeah he, but he was so he got, far had- back off the bike that day yeah, yeah, he got, well, he got a drafting penalty. Got a drafting he had a, so penalty. he had a five minute, five minute drafting penalty. He would yeah. have been up the front. Um, he, he was, he would, yeah, he was still in a weird position in that race because remember Vincent Louis was mm-hmm. like a little bit ahead, and then Lionel yeah. and was it? Oh, there was someone else with Lionel who were riding fast. Was it Chris um, Lieferman that day? But I remember it was a real weird know. race where it was like Yala was a little bit back in the swim. Vincent Louis like hammered the swim, and then. Yellow yeah. was still a little bit back on the bike and then, you know, got that drafting penalty and, but then did run like a 108, like far, like I think he put like three minutes into Vincent Louis or something like that. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I think he's probably someone with a similar, and I, and I think, um, yeah, we, we've trained a lot together. Obviously Martin, myself and Yellow were, were coached by the, well, Joel, Joel Filia for the same, well, for a couple of years, Yellow still, coached by him now but we were together for a couple of years and um yellow was always really good i mean he's he's a class runner right so you typically that's well if you're good at that you're going to show your class in in all sort of dis- disciplines and distances but he was someone that strike me as being really really good and efficient over that half distance as well so i feel like um even though maybe maybe hayden's got his edge over a 10k at the moment um i do think they'll probably even out, even themselves out a little bit over that half distance. Uh, I feel like, yeah, Yellow's quite efficient at, at running as well, like over a long distance. A couple of questions about the Norwegians. Do you boys have any inside word on whether Christian Blumenfeld is even going to race the 70.3 World Champs next year? I don't know. I don't have any inside, I guess. Uh, why not? It's the last race of the year, so I'd say he's probably going to. And what do you both think about Gustav Eden? Because I... I, I'm listening to this conversation where it's like, you know, Hayden and Martin, you're sort of saying Aaron might be the best runners in that group, even though you wouldn't really want to go head to head with either of them. And Martin's sort of saying that, you know, Hayden and Alex have taken it to the next level. So he'd be a little bit even more respectful of Hayden's run than he would be Gustav and Christian. But then I look at it and I go, well, I've never seen anyone run better off a, a 70 point, in a 70.3 than what I've seen Gustav Eden run up until this point. What do we think he's going to do? Or what do you both think he's going to do next year? Do you think he'll bounce back and find his best form? Where do you think he'll, where do you think he'll be come, come December next year at the 70.3 World Chance? Will he be the Gustav of 22 or the Gustav of 23? Yeah, I, I really hope he's going to be the Gustav of uh, 2022. Like, he's a really, really nice guy. Um, and, yeah, obviously he had a very tough year uh, in on his personal life and, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like maybe also the the Norwegian method of being super focused and and all this maybe took a bit more of a toll on him than on on Christian, who like Christian's whole life he just breathes and 
sleeps and eats triathlon uh whereas gustav is a bit more of a yeah like loves to make jokes love to maybe do something else um so i think maybe that like very concentrated very focused lifestyle caught up to him a bit as well so i hope he uh yeah he refines his his mojo and uh and can can step it back up because um yeah he he deserves it especially after a tough year like this yeah i mean basically what martin said i think and i I do think he'll he'll make his way back and and you're right like yeah we've seen some 67 68 yeah half marathon times but i yeah i think gustav has shown his class running super fast times off like really really hard bikes as well um and he's shown it at that top level so it'll be interesting to see not to say that obviously yaller or or hayden couldn't do it off off a similar sort of bike but obviously gustav's got that that track record and i'm sure he'll be back i i think it's going to be tough for him to make the olympics and and i think you'll know fairly early on in this in this year whether he is or isn't and and probably at the moment looking like he won't be um and so he'll he'll obviously switch his focus quite early, like a lot earlier than those guys that will race the Olympics to to the middle distance racing and full distance. Do either of you guys believe that the reigning champion, Rico Bogan, can can go back to back? Um, well, I actually, I, I don't know Rico at all. So, uh, so maybe it's a bit hard to say anything about it, but I do think that uh, this year, obviously, with the PTO Asian Open that was the week before and a lot of guys being sick, the level was probably a bit lower than usual. And I think that next year, uh, with a lot of of short course guys being very motivated um, and also, hopefully, I don't know if there will be a conflicting PTO race uh, on the calendar, uh, but hopefully all the middle distance and long distance guys joining as well. I think I, it might really be one of the most competitive 70.3 world champs in, in many years. So um, I think that that he'll definitely have to step up his game a little bit, but he's a good swimmer and biker. So like if he can be there uh, coming onto the run, like who knows? Yeah. And I think what's in his, in, what he's got in his favor, right? He's, he's young, right? So he, and he, mm-hmm. he had a really steep trajectory this year. So if he keeps going on that trajectory, yeah, who knows for sure. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be um, one of the favorites and um, no one would have picked him at the start of this year and the improvements he's made this year, if he can t- continue that trajectory, then I can't see why he won't be one of the favorites, but like Martin said, he will have to be, you know, will have to be stepped up from from this year i think um martin said it correctly that with with the asian open this year and people being a bit sick and then obviously the olympics coming up and there was a, a few people out and and so this year oh sorry next year in Taupo, i think it's going to be the most competitive uh 70.3 world championships we've seen so you're both um you know you're short course boys who who aaron you've stepped up to long course martin you're about to step up to long course full time in about six months you're still sort of friends with everyone in the know. We, we're talking about Martin and Hayden but and Yala as well. But is there any other guys stepping up from short course that maybe will race the 70.3 World Champs at the end of the year that we don't know about? Um, Pierre, Pierre Lacour, I, I don't know if he's, he probably hasn't qualified, but if he right. does qualify, he's someone that obviously is, yeah, he's, well, he's shown his, his hand at middle distance has been quite good as well. 
Yeah, I, but I think it will be almost impossible for him to qualify because he has an Olympic spot now, actually, which is incredible if you're French. Uh, mm. And he has to val validate that next year. So he has to do a top six at any World Series. So for sure, he's going to be 100% focused on uh, short course until the Olympics. So yeah, um, yeah, I think there is a, like a couple of ones that you'd expect big things from, like Leo Berger, uh, Vince as well, Vincent Lewis, um, but they won't be there yet uh, next year at 70.3 Worlds, most likely, um, because, yeah, you have to qualify before June, which is mm. before the Olympics. Yeah, but, but one thing we will, so out of those three that you just mentioned there, one of them's going to miss out, right? And they might know before the cutoff is is done. So I think the person that doesn't make it is probably going to try and find a 70.3 to qualify um, before the cutoff for the world championships. You just, yeah, that's you get what I mean. Yeah. And what about some of the old dogs like Alistair Brownlee and, and Javier Gomez? We know that Alistair is probably going to race PTO races, I would assume, and that Javier Gomez, well, Aaron, you know, you're coached by the same coach as Javier Gomez. Have you heard anything about his plans for, like, is he going to do Kona or the PTO series or 70.3 Worlds at the end of the year? I th yeah, I don't fully know, but I, I think, like, speaking to Dan, he was definitely motivated by those PTO races. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see see him lined up in, in quite a few next year. Um so and, and to answer your question, I never want to write those those type of people off. Um, you know, we haven't seen the best Alistair or or Javier for that matter in, in the last few years, I don't think. But you know, I'd never ever want to write someone like like those guys off. They just they have the class, they have the ability to on their day um be as good, if not yeah, better than anyone. Where do you see like guys like Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez compared to people like yourself, Martin, and Hayden Wild and, and the Norwegian boys? Well, I think that all of them, maybe bar Christian, have to still show a lot to come on like the career level of uh, of Alistair and Javi. Um, but yeah, I don't know what their their concentration is gonna be next year, but I think that if they also want to do Iron Man. Uh, that's going to be very tough to combine it with uh, with the 70.3 world champs. And I, yeah, I do kind of feel that they might not be, well, I don't know, like they might not be um, able to make the, the, the jump that has been made now uh, of like running that fast off. I think that, yeah, obviously Javi is, is getting a bit older and, and Alistair, like, I think, actually, I think that training so hard for so many years has been, uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of catching up to him. Like, it seems very difficult for him to put, like, more than a couple of months of consistent training together. And I, I think if he can do that, yeah, he can beat all of us. But um, But the question is, like, if he can still do that. And I think like one name, if if Jason West happens to find himself off, off the bike in a big group with all of you at the 70.3 World Championship, so there's Christian, there's yourself, Martin, Aaron, you're there, Gustav's there, Hayden Wilde's there, Yalla Geens is there. Does Jason West just outrun all of you? 
I'm actually very curious to to uh, like to to feel that like to to raise him because yeah the way he's been running has actually been quite incredible like the times he's been running like we've been saying Leo Berger as one of our guys that we really think would be good uh, on long course but then Jason put like two minutes into him in Oceanside last year so yeah he's definitely uh, brought the run level up a lot as well uh from the long course side then so yeah i think it's gonna be the the short course guys that will have to try to maybe match that as well um because he's been really ripping it up and so we've got the the paris olympics that are in july they finish august uh this year uh next year martin the pto could potentially still have you know if they if they're gonna like aaron says that they might have between eight and ten races if they have ten races then that's mid-year. You assume there's a chance they still have four, five, six, I don't even know, seven races left once the Olympics are done. If the PTO come to you, you know, now in the next six months and they say, hey, once the Olympics are done, we want to give you a wild card to race all the races after the Olympics, do you say yes? I would definitely say yes. I think that even if they would uh, would would approach me now, I don't know if I would still want to do the Olympics, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Like yeah, the motivation for uh, for long course is is on an all time high for myself right now. So, uh, yeah, like definitely what PTO has been doing in the long course sport has really raised up the like raised the game. And also, I think that especially as a short course athlete, where you have to race fifteen times a year very competitively, uh, PTO does really excite me because you're gonna have multiple big races per year where you have to be on your a game where you have to prove yourself where it's gonna be really yeah a race against the best of the best which like five years ago the best in long course would just meet up twice a year at 70.3 worlds and at ironman worlds uh so that's something that really excites me as well i i love to race um i love to race a lot so yeah, PTO, I think that, that, yeah, it definitely interests me and it's definitely uh, what I want to do. So if they want to send me a contract, they can uh, at Martin Van Riel on, uh, on Instagram. Aaron, what's your thoughts about this? Uh, well, I mean, maybe for most people it's surprising, but the chats that we have all the time, I think um, Martin probably has retired from short course maybe 10 times this year. <laughs> make it 11 now so i'm not i'm not (laughs) i'm not totally surprised i yeah i think um martin's yeah i think if it really came to it i think you you would probably stick to short course until the olympics um but who knows if you did get a contract on in your in your inbox and that might that might sway things but yeah it doesn't really surprise me. It's it's kind of a bit like uh, I think it's named the the sunken cost fallacy, no? Where like now it's only six months left, and like I've put so much into this journey, so kind of still want to go to the Olympics, obviously. But yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about it, and if I'm very honest, I think that maybe I I regret not stepping up to long distance after the last Olympics. 
Okay, so it's last minute Christmas shopping time for someone in your life or even for yourself. And if you haven't given Win Republic's website a visit, you should go and have a look right now. Win Republic have got so many great things that you could buy for someone you know who does triathlon or for yourself if you're into some self-love at the moment. They make the world's fastest, comfiest, most practical and by far best looking tri-suits. And they have so many women's and men's active wear options for your running. Like they have women's uh, run tights, shorts, crop tops. And for the men, they have things that I wear every single time I, I get out the door for my runs at the moment in some run tights, some tanks and some tees. Uh, so yeah, head on over to Win Republic's website. You can just search them on Google or you know search them on Instagram if you if you don't know where to find them. Uh, and if you do want to buy anything, you can use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off. And no one needs to know that you bought their Christmas present with a little discount on the on the side. I think it's one of those weird situations, Martin, where you came fourth at the at the Tokyo Olympics and coming you know getting a better result than that at Paris is going to be very hard now I'm never going to say you're not going to do it because you're a class athlete who could do anything wait wait on Jack the day. you did say he wasn't going to do it off air let's not tell porkies no I didn't say he's not going to do it <laughs> I, I think Aaron wants to get back to me because I, I didn't finish the 40 PTO <laughs> yeah don't worry I said it off air as well but I'm no, just trying to I'm, we're trying to motivate you aren't we Martin aren't we Jack we're trying to motivate you <laughs> Okay. Okay. Just let me just do let me just do a little spiel here. So, I think it's going to be the best day of your career. Like you would have to put in, I think, the best performance of your career to better your fourth. There's there's some guys who are running very fast, and they're going to be very hard to drop on the swim and the bike. Hayden, Alex, Dorian Koenigs, you know, there's there's about five others, and I think you're in that group of like the five others who you would need the day at Paris to go so perfectly because I think if Hayden and Alex and maybe like Dorian, maybe there's a couple, but if those boys are there off the bike, I don't think that next group of you guys, you five or six, are going to be able to beat them head to head. I think you have to get rid of them on the bike and I think for that to happen, it's going to have to be the perfect race. So that could happen. You That could happen. You could have the perfect race and you could come first, second or third and you know achieve everything you've wanted uh, at the Olympics. But it's a big if, whereas if you come and race the PTO races and if there's 10 PTO races where you could make, you know, $60,000, $100,000 each of those races, I think you would go in as the favorite to win almost all of those races. And I think this year is the year to do it. I think, I don't think Christian's going to have the year in the PTO that he will. I think Gustav might take a while to get back into it. I think Jason West has got some other goals that might make him not quite at his best the whole PTO year. I think like you could come into long course you could completely dominate. You could be number one at the end of the year, be the one of, if not the biggest name in triathlon by the end of the year, probably win six, seven, eight PTO races, win a 70.3 world championships or, you know, podium a 70.3 world championships. And yeah, go from being the unknown mm. guy at St. George to in that, that stratosphere with Christian and Gustav and, and Yarm. Like I think you could, I think this year could play out that big for you in long course. Whereas I think short course, you're going to have to have like the perfect day, which is tough possible but tough yeah definitely I, I i kind of agree but i think that the problem was that this olympic cycle was also only three years because of the covid 19 so it was one year shorter and then coming forth i really uh wanted to pour everything into like one more shot at a medal um i was hoping to combine it a little bit more with middle distance racing already in the past years uh, but because of injury and that didn't really happen um 
but yeah, definitely also um, PTO has really been stepping up the game of, of long distance racing and not only the money uh, is is higher in my opinion, but yeah, also like the the recognition you get as an athlete uh, has been a lot higher because these big money races also mean there's a lot more eyes on it. Like they're getting televised and all these things really, yeah, make me uh, really, really, really want to uh, get into the long distance side a bit more. Um, and I, I kind of agree, like I'm going to need the, the perfect day uh, in Paris. Like I hope that I will have the perfect day, obviously. Um, but yeah, now that it's half a year away, unless they, they would really send me a, a contract over, I don't think that I will, uh, yeah, like my decisions will be made towards first doing the Olympics very well. And only after that, uh, I'll make decisions based on, uh, on 70.3 racing. Honest question, which is probably hard for an athlete to answer. Do you think you can win the Olympics or do you think the perfect day for you is a third or a second? Um, I, I think that I, I can win the Olympics, but, uh, I need a breakaway. And like that also had like, that has been very disappointing to see the, the course they give us in Paris, uh, which is like flat, very wide roads where I think there is a lot of opportunities actually to make a pretty hard course in, uh, in Paris. Like you have some, some hills there, um, yeah, that's something to me very disappointing because I think that uh, most people that will try to watch triathlon will fall asleep on the bike, uh, like fall asleep watching the bike. But um, yeah, I think that I, I need a breakaway and then I believe that I will uh, I can take gold. But on this course, it will be very difficult to make a breakaway stick. Like one thing we haven't really touched on is you know, obviously out of those names that you've mentioned, like someone's going to turn up not in great shape because they've been injured, they overdid it, they just crack under the pressure. Um, and one thing that Martin has on, on his side, I, I think personally, is that like he's a big time racer. I don't think, like, I think one of his best races ever was his, um, his Rio Olympics. It just doesn't get talked about. Like, where did you come, Martin? About Was it sixth? Yeah, sixth. Six, like, and it was like probably his first year racing properly at that level. Um, I think it's just such an underrated performance. He, he so he's gone to two Olympic games. His first one being you know, fairly young, fairly new into the you know that level of racing, and he comes out and comes sixth. And then in Tokyo, finishes fourth in a race that probably doesn't suit his strengths. Like you just know that, um, providing he stays healthy and injury free which is obviously a big thing um he's going to turn up and he's going to be it's going to take someone good to beat him like so yeah i i do think he can win he can win gold based on um the outcomes that he said needs to happen which is obviously a breakaway i don't i, I can't see it happening if it's a, a group of 50 um, and he also needs the uh, the French guys, I think, that will also be in that breakaway to have worked hard as well, um, to, to be tired. Uh, so, so it, you know, there's maybe talk that there's some domestiques, right? So if they have two athletes working for one athlete that gets to sit in, I think that's going to make it very, very challenging because obviously Martin doesn't, won't have teammates with, with him in that group. So he's going to also have to work, uh, which is going to tire his legs as well. 
So there's a lot of things that go that are going to have to go his way. Um, but I think it is possible if, if the perfect scenario comes together. Who would be the French athlete that you think that the other two would work for? Would it be Connex? Would, would he be the one they're working for? It's hard. It's really hard to say um, because like maybe he's had their measure this year, but it's like, if you watch the races, it's been sprint finishes. So it's been like less than a second or a few seconds between basically Leo, Dorian and, and Pierre. So it is really hard to say. I'd say at the moment it is him, but also uh, it probably is going to come down to who's in the best shape, you know, in these early season races or the, the races that are close to the Olympics next year. That, that rare race was you know, Aaron, you're obviously a part of it. You and you and Martin were in the breakaway together. And I remember watching that and I was like, oh, Martin Van Riel is actually like pretty good. And that was like the day that I remember like, not the first time I remember you, Martin, but the first time I remember thinking like, oh, this guy's good. Um, you guys were hammering in that breakaway with, with Alistair and Johnny Brownlee. And I do yeah. see that as how exactly how Paris has to go, but it's so hard to not see everyone just coming back together and Paris playing more the same way London did and, you know, the, uh, the Hayden mm. Wild and Alex Yee battle just unfolding. Yeah, I, I probably agree with you there, Jack, but I, I will say that a lot of these races that have been coming together lately, um, Martin hasn't been in. And it's not silly to say that one person like Martin, you know, it was he, Al, Martin has to be the Alistair of 2012 to 2016. Um, yeah. He has to be the the aggressor to get everyone else working. They need someone there. And hopefully the, the French will have a, a tactic that's going to be something similar to, well, for Martin's sake, hopefully they um, they have a tactic, something similar to that as well. Martin, do you go to the French guys pre-Olympics and say, hey, let's work together? Mm, like, actually, that's not something I've done in the past. Like, maybe a little bit because some of the guys, like Vincent Lewis, like I've been training with him, and like Aaron, for instance, as well. So when we were doing uh, all of a short course, like we would talk before, but I never really went to someone that like I didn't know that well to uh, to say that we're gonna break away today. But yeah, I think it's it it will be actually something that will be needed and. Um, this year in Pontevedra, when we managed to make the breakaway stick, the the French um, high performance coordinator came to me after the race and he's like, "It's good to have you back, Martin." So I uh, hope they uh, repay a bit of the favor and uh, and and are keen to work. Like there is a lot of guys, to be honest, that uh, are very strong swimmers and very strong cyclists. So if we can get them to work together, um, that yeah, that will be the the most important thing because um, I think if it comes down to a very slow bike, I think it's quite clear. Well, maybe not quite clear, but it's likely that gold and silver are going to be divided by Hayden and Alex. Um, so it's going to depend if, if guys like Hauser or Konings or the other French or uh, Vasco Vilacha, if, if they uh, want to race for for bronze, or if they want to race for gold, I think that's going to be a, a very important uh, factor. And and hopefully I can, yeah, hopefully they want to go for gold, try for a breakaway and I can kind of, yeah, glide with that. There's so many just insanely high performing, like level athletes in short course racing right now. Like those names, even those names you just listed, I was thinking like, fuck, they're all good triathletes. And 
they sort of get forgotten about. I swear short course is just slowly fading into the background and it still has, like, in my opinion, the world's best triathletes racing there. Like, I think it's still a slightly higher level than what we're seeing in long course racing, despite the level in long course racing being the best it's ever been. But yeah, like they're, they're sort of, yeah, I don't know. Short, do you feel that being a part of it still, uh, Martin? Like I know you've talked about it a little bit, but does it, do you, is it, do you boys talk about that behind the scenes that, you know, you're not as big as the, the long course athletes, even though you're, you're as good, if not better athletes. Uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, people would talk about that and i i think that the biggest difference is that the density is a lot higher in short course but that's also partly because uh the shorter distance you do the more you can race in a year so we are racing each other 15 times a year and every world series uh every super league the best of the best are turning up um which that's actually something pto is changing as well in middle distance but um yeah i think that the density is just a bit a bit bigger in the short distance um and yeah a lot of the guys do look at uh the long distance and are like yeah like short distance guys we're we're gonna dominate these and blah 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 but in the end also a lot of them when they do step up when they do try their their half a lot of them do have maybe yeah underwhelming performance for themselves as well and like expect maybe a bit yeah expect it to be maybe be a bit easier than it actually is like the guys at the top of the sport on on the on the middle distance on the long distance are yeah all incredible athletes and it's not that easy that you can not take long distance super serious and still perform uh, in my opinion you have to be very very well prepared and very yeah really want to do good at long distance to be able to make that step I think there was a time like 10 years ago where the short course guys stepping up were almost guaranteed to have some some success whereas that that gap does seem to have closed now where you know with the Magnus Ditlivs and the Sam Laidlows and Jan Frodeno and um the the Norwegians the top end of long course racing is definitely so much better that you can't just step up and because you've been one of the best short course athletes in the world just you know step into success straight away you definitely do have mm. to hone your craft a little bit more would would you agree with that Aaron yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think it's a big, a big thing now is that people are growing up, um, just going straight into, or more people are growing up and going straight into that, that long course or, or non-drafting scene, where it used to be like you'd f- the the there'll be a few like a real small percentage that would be that would go straight into the non-drafting, and then people would sort of trickle across after they've finished with their short course career. Um, but now like you look at a lot of the athletes, they may be dabbled in it as a junior, the, the short course races, but from very early on have focused on that middle distance racing, um, because you can now own like, like we've touched on, like there's a, there's a lot of opportunities there, there now. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a big reason, uh, why we're sort of starting to see like a really, really high level depth from both the middle distance and the, and the in the short course now and it's not probably maybe not as easy as as people once thought it was or or it once was to to come across and if you were good at short course that you doesn't necessarily automatically mean you're going to be good or dominant in in the middle distance racing and even like if you go to long course racing like let's say ironman world championships 
Martin, if you were to step up for that, how many years do you think that it would take before you could compete with someone like Sam Laidlow or um, Magnus Ditlev uh, at that distance? Yeah, honestly, I have no idea. Um, I think that like doing halves already, um, you can like make that change maybe quite quickly. We've seen like the Norwegians actually do that, uh, like just swap around between the distances very quickly. Um, but yeah, I think that especially on the bike, that level is very, very, very high. Um, and that's probably something that is not just a little change in your training. Like you actually have to almost change your full body metabolism. Um, so that obviously takes some time. But I think that if you have uh, middle distance racing down, I think that you can you can change in one year uh, to long distance racing, but then obviously you need to learn about the tactics again. So to be very competitive at the highest level, that's going to take maybe, maybe some more time, but uh, yeah, that's, that's something I'm very keen to try as well in the future. But, uh, but I, I honestly don't really know. Um, yeah. I, I can't really tell because I think, Ironman distance, a full distance is actually a very different sport than uh, short and even middle distance uh, racing. Ironman World Champs 2025, it's going to be huge. Hayden Wild's already committed. He's going to race the Ironman World Championships in 2025. I think from what we're hearing today, it sounds like you're going to be there, Martin. Sam Laidlow is probably going to be a two-time defending champion by there. Magnus Ditlev will be there. The Norwegians, I think, are going to be fully committed to it. It's going to be the 2025 Men's Ironman World Championships is going to be insane. Um, coming back to what you were talking about, about the PTO contract and there's a chance that you would take it if they slid into your Instagram DMs tonight um, and, and sort of forego your Olympic dream a little bit. So let me give you a hypothetical because uh, I love hypotheticals, Martin. If, if, at, if at the end of 2024 you could look back at your year, which one of these would you prefer? You win an Olympic silver medal, but nothing really else for the the rest of the, the for the entire year. Maybe a couple of little decent WTCS results, some podiums, and and a sixth place, or six PTO titles and a podium at the seventy point three Worlds. Which one do you pick? Oh, well, that's very difficult. <laughs> but actually, I think that I would take the silver medal then, because yeah, it surely. It would be kind of like, I don't know, like, a, I mean, it's kind of a crown on, on the work I've been doing the past 10 years, um, whereas I hope that if I can have that level to win six PTOs in a year, I hope that I could still do that next year as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of my my one last shot. If I make it or not, that's not really... Like, well, it's actually, it is important, but uh, yeah, like it would kind of be a crown on, on my, my last 10 years of work that I did. So yeah, I, I would still take that silver medal, I think. Yeah, I get it. I'm disappointed to hear it, but I do get it. <laughs> Got to keep in mind in 2025, you're going to have to beat Hayden Wild to do that, uh, to win the PTO crowns. I think it's going to be, I think 2024 might be the year, the week year. You're only going to have to beat Aaron to do it. <laughs> Someone who doesn't think can get in the top 40. <laughs> Speaking of this, if you, do, if you do happen to sign the uh, million-dollar PTO contract, Martin, and you're mm -hmm. on a swim start with Aaron Royal, 
Who do you both think exits the water first? <laughs> oh, please. Wow, that's it's not even a question. Yeah, it's like if I want, <laughs> it will be me, but Aaron is very, very attached to his number one PTO <laughs> swim rank, so I would give it to him. <laughs> please. What an absolute stitch up. Have you boys ever uh, had a race? Have we ever had a race? Like a pool race to, we, laying next to trained? each other? Um, I think we used to race like every Tuesday and Friday at swimming, swim training for two years straight. What's the record? Um, okay, if we're being if we're being honest, um, so shorter reps, Martin got me. So fifty meters, he would pretty well have me ninety percent of the time. Uh, whenever they were like hundreds VO twos, I'd say we we're pretty even. Uh, and then anything longer than a hundred, I think I had him the other way. Would you agree, Martin? Yeah, but that's because you would just come and swim really close to the lane rope and sprint the last <laughs> of the rep. <laughs> I couldn't even see you most time when it went over 100 meters. <laughs> that's that because, uh, because you're using the form goggles. You, you have tunnel vision. You can't see. <laughs> that is true, actually. It does explain that why is... he's a faster swimmer than you, though. Yeah. I try, he, Martin, he, he, and this is not even a sponsor plug because Martin's not sponsored by him, but he did give him a go um, when I was in, in Girona. Uh, I don't actually know if Martin's sponsored by a goggle sponsor, so I'm not sure I can say that. No, no. Are you sponsored? Okay. He gave, he gave the form goggles a go and you're um, quite impressed, I think. Yeah, like I was most impressed with just like how good how good my swim trainings look afterwards in training peaks or in uh, in Strava to be honest like that that's what like that's what, what got me there <laughs> HTT20 yeah, if you do want 20% off a pair of form goggles by the way they are amazing um, I reckon we wrap it up there boys uh, only thing I want from you Martin is if you do happen to get that DM from the PTO and you decide to race, I just want you to commit to coming on and doing a road to a PTO race uh, podcast series with Aaron and then we'll just have to figure out the third person who's going to jump on it. Probably Fred Funk, but I'm a bit honestly hurt and disappointed and angry at him after what Aaron's told me on the podcast today, so might have to consider a third person. Well, yeah, Fred Funk would be a good one, but uh, I don't want those pictures. <laughs> hey and if, if you do get that contract i think um jack and i owe, are owed a bit of percentage of that i'll take 10 percent. you aaron yeah i'll take i'll be happy with 10 yeah 10 each happy days well That's and then the belgian taxman takes 60 percent, so uh <laughs> i'm gonna be staying much, much for me you'll still make <laughs> probably 15 times the amount you will in short course And you you do it for the love of the sport, Martin. That's what you told us before we went on air. (laughs) You did say that. (laughs) Yeah, but that also changes from day to day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, boys. Good to uh, get to know you tonight, Martin. Um, Finally, good to have you not hidden under under a rock out there in the short course world. Good to have you coming over to the long course world where people actually get to know you uh, because you are a very likable guy and a great athlete. So uh, I hope I hope you you sort of take everything into account we've been talking about and you do accept that that message request from the PTO and at least have a discussion about it. And hopefully we see more of you uh, in long course racing in 2024. Uh, But if not. Good luck in the Olympics. We'll chat to you in the build-up anyway and see and get an update, uh, see where you're heading harder at. And uh, 
definitely talk to you pre-70.3 World Championships next year because it's a year away, but already can't wait for that race. Um, so thanks for jumping on, Aaron. Thanks as always. Uh, let's discuss now quickly before we wrap up. What do I have to do to get the follow? I don't know. Maybe maybe we can put it out to the viewers. What have you? What does Jack have to do? What does he have to? How did? How can he earn earn this follow? You have to do something. It was. I think it was going to be. You had to put it out like a. I can't remember what it was now. Can you remember? It's something like you had to do with. It was like a poll on something between like who, which athlete's going to win what fight or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but you have to earn it, mate. Okay. I thought. I think I've done a like. I've been a pretty good mate to you the last twelve months. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll um, we'll we'll put it we'll put it out there. Tell me, tell me what he has to do, and we'll do it. We'll make it happen. <sighs> yeah, but this is this is good though, because I've I've got this. I've got I've got something over you here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I don't have anything over you at the moment. Uh, yeah. Do I? No, uh, nothing. Mate, you probably do, but anyway, I'll give Col- I'll give Colin a call and see if he's got anything I can hang over your head. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> too soon. Yeah, too soon. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. Yes, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Go back to sleep, mate. Enjoy your birthday. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. I've got an announcement that I think is really exciting um, that I've been wanting to share with you for a little bit, but now's the time. So I hope you all uh, find it exciting as well. We've been doing a podcast series on the triathlon hour Patreon called The Chase Pack. It's a podcast series that follows the lives of six low-ranked professional triathletes as they experience the ups and downs of their triathlon lives. Um, And it was really well-received, probably the most well-received series that we've done on Patreon. And funnily enough, AG1 got in touch with us and said that they'd been listening to the Chase Pack uh, and loved it and wanted to support it and asked if there was a chance that we could do the series for the whole year in 2024 and put it out for everyone to listen to. So I'm pumped to announce that in 2024, the Chase Pack will be released as a weekly podcast on the Triathlon Hour for you to all listen to. We really can't thank AG1 enough for getting behind the series. And if you did want to catch up on the series that they, they loved and that so many people on, on the Patreon have loved, um, then the 12 podcasts or three months worth of the Chase Pack that have already been created uh, are still available and will always be available over on the Triathlon Hour's Patreon. The link for the Patreon is in the episode description um, or it's over on the Triathlon Hours uh, Instagram in the bio. Uh, it supports the show, but yeah, you always get you also get access to what is probably the best Patreon exclusive series we've done over there um, in the Chase Pack. So uh, if you do sign up, thank you. We appreciate the support, but also enjoy the, enjoy the Chase Pack and get ready to listen to it every week next year in 2024. And speaking of announcements, it's that time, the time to announce the winner of the Camworth and uh, Triathlon Hour giveaway. There was about 10,000 entrants, slightly more um, if you take into account the additional uh, entries that you got for sharing it on your story. Um, And unfortunately, only one of you can win. But we do really thank you all for being a part of it. Uh, I'm just going to click generate here. I've got them all in the generator now. So give me two seconds. Okay, so the winner is, and I'm not sure I'm going to nail this last name, but let's see. It's Julia Minucci. Julia, well done. That's uh, almost $12,000 US dollars worth of triathlon products coming your way just in time for Christmas. Uh, and a huge thanks again to mine and Cam's partners. Together, um, I'm really, I'm positive. We've just made the Christmas presents that Julia's family and friends are going to get her 
look a bit average, uh, a bit underwhelming. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it, we, me and Cam. We seriously appreciate the support you give us both um, as a podcast and Cam as an athlete. Um, but yeah, we've we've literally probably just made Julia's year. So thank you, uh, and we look forward to doing it again this time next year, Julia. Well done. Send the triathlon era message on Instagram uh, and Cam and I will will get our partners together and we'll organise getting it all out to you. So thank you for entering. Thank you everyone for entering. Bad luck to everyone else, but yeah, well done, Julia.